I'm Lawrence Carroll and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of EPF The Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of focused wealth management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you, Larry? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Man, morning, Florida Bill. looks nice morning, and sunny. Very sunny. It's been very good. Um, okay, here's today's first question. With Russia close to invading Ukraine, what does this mean for U.S. markets? And what does this mean for energy prices and inflation? And I know it's a little morbid, but should investors be getting cash ready to start buying as the market tanks? Well, okay. Three-part question. Love it. Um, so number one, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, on this dip, you can certainly add some monies to it. If you look at the history of, you know, geopolitical events and, and, and stock market returns, uh, you've seen average drawdowns close to around 5%, something like that, even, you know, when we were attacked on 9-11, uh, not to make light of that, but that that's what historically you've seen. Um, so any pullback here, you're starting to see names uh, obviously look attractive, uh, certainly look attractive. Energy. Uh, you know, this is why you have a diversified portfolio, and this is why you add to holdings when you see mispricing in markets. Uh, when oil uh, really did horrifically, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, and everyone thought the energy story was dead and that there'd be a huge pivot uh, to solar and to, you know, other forms of energy. Got to remember, 75% of the world still uh, uses uh, oil as a primary source of, of energy. So um, you're seeing a real move upwards in that. And obviously with the with the Norse pipeline um, uh, being cut off, you know, that will mean different things, different energy supplies around the world. Uh, so what do I think about energy? It's probably getting a little bit high up here. I mean, God, you're getting close to $100 a barrel oil again. Pretty, pretty amazing uh, considering where it came from. Uh, in terms of Russia moving into the Ukraine and what's that mean for stocks, um, you know, really interesting, right? Uh, first of all, go back to that oil. I, a few years ago, the Kremlin had no money, right? I mean, Russia is really a big gas concern with the military. I once heard at a conference, a great analogy, how Russia is, you know, a, a, a gas station run by a mafia chieftain. And um, so if you look at that and, and you look at what they're doing, I mean, he obviously wants to restore uh, the Russia of the past, the Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, he felt that they certainly got egg on their face. You know, 40 percent of their GDP was lost uh, when the Soviet Union was broken up, mainly coming from the Ukraine. That's a huge number. Right. So with oil north of, you know, in the 90s, think about that. He is emboldened. He's got money to spend. He probably looks at himself in the mirror, sees his age and sees, you know, the history of other strong Russian leaders, as he's always done, right? He's been a huge study, a study of Russian history and, and leadership. And this is his moment, right? So he's going to move on this. Um, and uh, obviously, last night, he moved into the those the, the two breakaway republics, and he'll probably move more. Um, very interestingly enough, uh, I think the administration is really following the policies of George F. Kennan. And Kennan uh, wrote about taking the long-term approach towards Russia and making sure that, you know, it was dealt with over the long term and the policy of containment uh, back in the 40s, of, uh, late 40s for the Truman administration. And I think this is really a play out of Kennan's book. Now, interestingly enough, Kennan also felt that 
when NATO opened up membership in the mid '90s uh, to some of these breakaway republics, Poland, etc., uh, that uh, the founders would roll in their graves because we were really meddling and 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 poking uh, a future Russia, and I, that's what you're seeing, right? They do not want Ukraine uh, to be admitted to NATO, and um, so that's what's going on here. Is it our problem? Is it our fight? It's a global, you know, economy. Um, but I think this is done, right? I, I really think this is done in the markets, the futures as of Tuesday morning, you know, being down 500 points overnight like that are kind of bouncing. And I hate to look at one day events, but, you know, maybe to the markets, this is starting uh, to move out of the way here, um, especially considering that the English, uh, the UK government really put some stiff sanctions, economic sanctions uh, on Russia and uh, on some of the oligarchs there. So yet to be seen, what does it do for stock prices? be a little bit more concerned about Europe than we were bullish on. You know, we thought Europe was a great spot. I'd be a little bit concerned there. Uh, maybe you have some fallout in the euro, but I got to tell you, as we said a couple of weeks ago, look at that 10-year treasury was at, you know, close to 2% and it was down about 190 because all, all the overnight buyers and flock for safety shows you, you got to have a diversified portfolio in this environment. Um, and you can collect some coupons and cut some yields and uh, stay balanced. Uh, and if the markets do go down, as you saw even on Friday, uh, those could be some buying opportunities long term. Yeah, the the variables about this are actually a, a bit interesting in terms of the scenario that you could potentially look at because bearish sentiment, as measured by the American Association of Individual Investors, has been very high lately given the market decline. I mean, sentiment generally follows price. Bullish sentiment actually dipped below twenty percent of all investors. And that is a rare occurrence. So yeah. sentiment is extremely negative. It really feels like a lot of people were expecting the market to decline precipitously as a result of this. So you can't look at sentiment as a standalone indicator for any particular reason. But the fact that it is so bearish could actually create a snapback type of scenario, especially if you're now seeing stocks and bonds move in opposite directions of each other. Inflation was a big reason that they were moving uh, highly correlated earlier in the year and even late last year. So what could this do? If this creates more of a risk-off environment, your six, seven rate hikes by the Fed go poof, they're gone, um, especially into a decelerating economy. So the one bullish scenario here is that with the yield curve twos minus or tens minus twos already at 40 basis points, it could prevent the Fed from actually making that policy error that we've been talking about in the past and keep them on the sidelines a little bit longer until inflation actually rolls over and decelerates. That's the one big problem is, again, you said it before, Russia is oil. Their economy is highly levered to the price of oil. So Putin invading Ukraine, he knows that oil is going to go up on the back of that. So it's actually, even though from an economic standpoint, the Russian trading system is down substantially. I think it peaked the trough. It's already down 40% yeah, already yeah, this yeah. year or from its I mean, peak. Last night, uh, it was like 10% even in one day at one point. Then it got better. Yeah. Higher oil prices ultimately is a good thing for the Russian economy. It's just a matter of whether Europe can sustain that and how they stand up to the situation, particularly Germany. And we got a lot of liquefied natural gas here, right? That can be shipped overseas. So Yeah. Um, natural gas also surged over the um, overnight. Anyways, talking about bonds, what do you think about buying bonds? And over the past two years, you guys have said that when the yield on the S&P 500 is bigger than the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond, that's a good time to buy stocks. So what does it mean now that it's reversed? 
This morning, the yield on the 10-year was 1.95%, more than a half a percentage point bigger than the S&P's yield of 1.4%. Will an invasion cause a flight to safety and bring treasury yields lower? So I kind of love this question because we always highlight the inverse, right? When uh, the dividend of the S&P 500 gets above the 10-year treasury, that's usually a really good time to consider buying from a valuation standpoint. And when we saw the COVID crash occur, the dividend yield spiked for the S&P up to 2.5%, and the 10-year treasury got less than a half a percent. So it created this long-term attractive valuation in stocks relative to bonds. And now we're kind of seeing the opposite. But from a historical standpoint, um, this is something that is typical for bond yields to actually be above the dividend yield of the S&P 500. And earlier this year, as I mentioned before, you didn't have bonds zigging when stocks zagged, right? Both asset classes were going down collectively due to the fact that inflation was so high. And you see the ten-year, I'm sorry, you see the dividend yield of the S and P 500 sitting there right around that 1.4 percent mark. That really hasn't gone up that much, in spite of the fact that free cash flow generation of a lot of S and P 500 companies has improved. So it hasn't necessarily kept pace with the ten-year going up substantially. And the one thing that you really have to consider is that during that COVID time period, we we're kind of living in an anomaly a little bit in terms of how low interest rates and yields got. Um, because realistically, the spread historically between the dividend yield of the S&P 500 and the 10-year yeah. treasury is still very low on a historical standpoint. Bond yields are not that much higher than stock yields, and they could potentially go higher. I, we don't think that they're going to go substantially higher, but it is nice to see bonds moving inversely to stocks during this particular risk-off environment. So, I mean, you ha always have to take on a historical precedent where that spread actually is. So when you don't have this particular valuation support in stocks right now relative to bonds and what bonds can actually distribute in terms of their cash flow yield. So I think that you you're you are more susceptible to long-term drawdowns um, and more volatility in periods of time where the dividend yield isn't higher than the 10-year treasury because if the inverse actually took place, then I think stocks are much more attractively valued. I don't view stocks and bonds with the inverse to really signal all that big of a huge negative because the spread, like I said, on a historical standpoint, is still on the low side with the 10-year treasury still at the 1.95%. And it's certainly something to watch long-term, right? It's a trend to watch. Yeah, if the opposite actually occurred, it could signal, hey, it, it's definitely time to buy stocks. But you would have to see that risk-off environment really take shape. Yeah. And the one thing that I that has surprised me a bit with free cash flow generation of a lot of companies really improving as the U.S. economy has healed through the pandemic, you haven't seen a lot of interest rate hikes. Uh, not, I'm sorry, dividend hikes. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't shock me to see some of those moving forward in the future. But- yeah, the, it, it's the inverse right now. So it's not a good time to be buying bonds. I still think it is. <laughs> I think it bodes to our point about staying diversified, Larry. I do, right? So, you know, you don't have everything. You got to capture opportunities when they come, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I think right now it's, you know, I, I think right now, you know, you could 2% on the 10-year treasury is a great time to nibble at bonds. I think a little bit higher is even better, obviously. 
Um, Cause I don't think that rates can really go past two and a half type of percent. I, I, I think it's going to be very, very tough with that liquidity out there. Don't forget, you got the Fed reducing the balance sheet too. How's that going to come? You know, what's, what's that going to do? So uh, a lot of dynamics going on right now um, that are coming together. Uh, and this is wild that it's only, you know, two months into the year. <laughs> yeah. It's been a hell of a decade these past two months. Well, thanks guys. And if you'd like to submit a question to uh, Two Question Tuesday, send it to our new email address, question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, thanks, thanks Larry. Thanks, Mike.